0: Today on Blue 58, after months of reckless speculation and deep diving on guys who will probably never play for the Packers, it's time to do our final round of reckless speculation and deep dives on guys who will probably never play for the Packers. That's right, we're doing our final guesses as to what will happen in the NFL Draft, and let me be completely honest with you, I have pretty much no idea what's going to happen. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Muerdink. Happy to be with you here on this final pre-draft episode. Little bit bummed out going into this one because of how things have worked out over the past couple weeks. I I had had it worked out so that episode number 300 was going to be the one recapping the first round of the NFL Draft. And as you can see, it's going to fall one short and be episode 299. You win some, you lose some. It's just a round number anyway. Who really cares? The point is, we're almost there for the NFL Draft, and there's lots of interesting stuff happening this week. To, to top it all off, just the draft itself. This is going to be wild and weird, and I don't think we're ever going to see something like this again. In In some ways, this is a throwback to how the draft used to be. It used to be like a day-long conference call, and I mean like 24 hours straight through. I just finished reading not too long ago the book Paper Lion by George Plimpton. He spent a, a training camp or part of a training camp with the uh, Detroit Lions back in the 50s then a couple of years later he went to the draft as a representative of the Lions and found out very quickly he had just been suckered into doing that because he had to sit at a table for basically 29 hours straight just taking phone calls from Lions headquarters back in Detroit the draft is going to be more like that this year than any other year i think in most of our lifetimes unless you are lucky enough to have been alive back in the 50s so good for you if that's if that's the case um but it's it's going to be more conference call like Than I think any of us have have ever really seen. And that's going to be interesting. And it's going to probably create some weird stuff. As a result of that, and just I think as a function of where the Packers pick this year, 30th overall, I feel like I have less of a handle on who could actually be available for the Packers to pick than I ever have. And part of that is an illusion anyway. None of us really know what's going to happen. But I think there's a big part of that that has to do just with the general craziness of this year. So I'm trying to break this down as simply as possible. If you're a listener, if you've been a listener to this show for a while, you know I'm not a big predictions guy anyway. But um, I do have some general predictions about what I think the Packers are going to be looking to do and how that could affect who they end up taking in the first round. But first, uh, a couple things I wanted to talk about. First, we've talked a lot about the Packers potentially trading down in the first round, trading out of the first round. But I think there are some scenarios that they could, um, in which they could trade up. And I've written about them, and we'll link this article in your show notes, uh, for acnepackingcompany.com. That gives me a good opportunity, in addition to talking about this piece, uh, to talk about something new that is uh, is going to be happening. Um, in my Packers-related life, I've recently been offered a, an expanded role at acmepackingcompany.com. I'm going to be taking it. Going to be doing some more writing there, in addition to the stuff that I do for you here on the podcast. So keep an eye out uh, for stuff there. This is my first piece under that new agreement, so uh, hopefully I'll be able to offer you a little bit more written content in that in that regard. But anyway, trading up. I think there are a few scenarios where that could work out for the Packers. To uh, Take a look at that. It's in your, in your show notes. It's going to be expensive, but it, it's not outside the realm of possibility, and it's worth remembering that Brian Gutekunst has traded up in the first round in both of his two drafts with the Packers so far. He's had a little bit of extra ammunition to do that as a result of some other trades in 2018 and 2019, but nevertheless, he has traded up in both of those drafts so far. Secondly, I wanted to take a, just a quick second before we get into predictions to talk about a couple players we've missed in this process or just gloss over. There are six guys I want to get to real quick here um, and just sort of catch up on uh, and drop into our analysis. These would be kind of outside the list of players that we've talked about already, but I do think that they are worth watching. For starters, two wide receivers I want to mention here. First, Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. We mentioned him in passing in our wide receiver episode, but I wanted to circle back to him here. He was a guy that was caught up right on the cusp of that, will they or won't they, uh, pro days sort of wave. Um, he is a, a good-sized receiver at 6'1", 206, and one of the most productive wide receivers in the class. I wanted to mention him because I think he could be a great mid-round option if the Packers decide to go a different direction other than receiver early, like maybe maybe third round for a guy like him. I don't, I don't really know. It seems like projections on him are all over the place a little bit too. Kind of in the same vein, uh, though a little bit more Traits over production, sort of player is John Hightower out of Boise State. Pretty good size, like a like a Trevor Davis size guy. So more tall, willowy track type speed than uh, than more football player build. But still, he is plenty fast. Not as productive as Tyler Johnson, but still very fast. And I think he could be a, a late round option for the Packers. Uh, a name that came up repeatedly on YouTube that people wanted us to talk about, and I want to just mention in passing here is Josiah DeGara, a tight end out of Cincinnati. Bob McGinn's scouts uh, that he talks to every year, and he does his big piece about think he's a fullback, not a tight end. NFL.com thinks he projects more of an H-back type. I think that actually makes him a really good fit for the Packers because they seem to really like tight ends who can play fullback, fullbacks who are a little bit more just like receiving tight ends who block now and then. Think Danny Vitale, think Lance Kendricks, uh, even Jay Sternberger a little bit. Again, Bob McGinn scouts think this guy's a fullback. I think he more falls into the Dalton Keene type role, maybe a tight end who plays fullback occasionally. Nevertheless, he does seem to be the Swiss Army type sort of tight end back hybrid that the Packers could be interested in. And uh, I think he's a name to watch, kind of along with Dalton Keene in sort of that same sixth, seventh round sort of neighborhood. Uh, another name that came up repeatedly at on YouTube among Players that people would like us to talk about is Darius Jett Anderson out of TCU. He's one of those guys, and we mentioned this sort of uh archetype in our running back episode. You every year you get a couple running backs who run like they forgot to start when somebody said go in the 40-yard dash. That was Anderson this year, ran a four-six in the 40-yard dash at the combine. He's one of those guys that you would have been like, okay. He's going to figure that time out. He's going to run in the low 4.5s or maybe like 4.48 at his pro day or something like that. Runs a little bit faster, a little bit better technique. Maybe gets a little home cooking on that stopwatch. No, that never happens. Um, But he didn't run well at the combine, and a lot of people are knocking him down their boards as a result. But he was fairly productive at TCU, had 43 catches there. That's pretty good. I, I like to see that. And his stats honestly probably did suffer a little bit from, from being a part of kind of an, a running back timeshare um, at TCU. So maybe don't downplay his stats too much. Um, you like what he could offer at, in his skill set there. Two more, and then we're, we're going to go on to predictions. Uh, one on defense here, Willie Gay Jr., the linebacker out of Mississippi State. This is a miss on my part. He projects really well as, as the sort of linebacker I think the Packers could be looking for. Big dude, six one two forty three, 243, big thick dude. I, I think that's something you're, you're looking for. Maybe not so much tall, but a 9-7 relative athletic score. A little bit of a late riser. Seems like a guy who would slot pretty well into a developmental role. And if the Packers are going to be drafting a developmental linebacker this year, I'd prefer more like somebody in like the B.J. Goodson mold but with plus athleticism than an Oren Burks safety linebacker hybrid type who you have to teach to play linebacker. I'd rather have a more traditional linebacker who's a good athlete who needs to figure out um, some more technique-based stuff than a guy you're trying to find a position for, if that makes sense. That's why among the the three premier linebackers in the draft, I think Kenneth Murray um, – is right there with Isaiah Simmons in a lot of ways for me because he seems to be that traditional linebacker type out of the the top three guys, in Simmons, Murray, and Patrick Queen. Take that for whatever it's worth. I think Willie Gay is kind of in that in that Murray sort of mold, a bigger, athletic guy who's more a traditional linebacker. Finally, Austin Jackson, a tackle out of USC, uh, mentioned an archetype to look for among Packers linemen is athletic tackles. With multi-sport backgrounds, who could project also to guard? If you're trying to narrow down um, your your draft prospects with those sort of kind of waypoints, I think that's a, a good way to go about it. He is a big athletic lineman with a multi-sport background. Nine four six relative athletic score six four three twenty two. Former track thrower, a lot to like there. They say his left tackle attributes, whatever that means. Um, probably could project on both sides at the next level, and he's got the athleticism that you figure him out as a project player. I don't know if you, you take him with the 30th pick, maybe you slide back and try to get him at like 36 or something like that, but he is an, an interesting sort of player, and I do think that the Packers are going to be looking to upgrade their offensive line uh, relatively early. John Runyon out of Michigan, kind of a, a similar guy guy there too. Uh, athletic tackle who could slide inside to guard, definitely late-round prospect. So there's seven guys now that we throw Runyon in there too, um, who you might want to add to your watch list for what it's worth. What do we think the Packers are actually going to do, though? That's a real question, isn't it? 30th pick rolls around. Brian Gutekunst is firing up that Zoom web conference. He's got to make a pick. Who's he going to pick? For me, it's always more about positions than players, because when you start... Thinking about positions, I think you can think about value a little better. You also have an opportunity to think about revealed preference. So there's two kinds of preference that you can have. You can have stated preference, and you can have revealed preference. Stated preference for me would be, I like to eat healthy. Revealed preference would be, I like to eat like an unsupervised toddler. A lot of candy, a lot of carbs in my life, if I am not actually thinking about what I should be doing. Stated preference: want to eat healthy. Revealed uh, preference, um, not so much. Stated preference for a team like the Packers might be: we just want to pick the best available player, regardless of position. Uh, we want to want to you know put skill position players around our quarterback. Blah blah blah. Revealed preference for the Packers kind of tells a bit of a different story. Ultimately, I think it comes down to three things: they like big athletes. They like trade value, and then if they can't get either of those things, then they'll take a skill position player. Think about the last few first rounds that we've seen from the Packers. Heck, think about all the way back to 2012, 2011 either. They've taken, when possible, big athletic guys or really defensive backs. Those are the two most valuable things I think you can you can draft early on in the draft. 2019, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, they also traded around. He got some trade value. 2018, Jair Alexander, plus athlete, and a defensive back. 2017, they traded out of the first round, but they still ended up with two great big athletes in Kevin King and Josh Jones. Your mileage may vary on what you think of those guys, but you can see the the type there a little bit. 2016, Kenny Clark, another big athlete. 2015, Demarius Randall, pretty good athlete, but positional versatility in the secondary. Also, and I want to restate this again, we talked about this, I think, last spring, did a 2015 draft draft redraft. 2015, just a garbage draft class. Just bad. Top to bottom, inside out. It's no wonder the Packers messed up the top of that draft because it would have been hard to not mess it up. It was not great, especially in the range the Packers are picking. Still, Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, not a good look. Anyway, 2014 is kind of the exception to this. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. Neither particularly big uh, nor particularly athletic relative to other defensive backs, but still, you can see what they're thinking their position of need, position of value, and he, he kind of fell down down the draft board a little bit, and for a while was a fairly good player for the Packers. The, the end kind of sours things a little bit, but um, the balance, you know, you can see at least what the Packers were thinking there. 2013, another big athlete, Dayton Jones, 2012, Nick Perry, same deal. Derek Sherrod, again, another big athlete in 2011, until his leg broke in half. Anyway, I think, therefore, that the Packers' preferences in the draft are big athletes, trade value, and then skill position players. They're going to go for big athletes first, they're going to trade second, then they're going to get skilled position players after that. What do we see not on that list? Inside linebacker. My thinking has been that the Packers are, are, are probably, again, going to steer away from inside linebacker. It's been a position of need for who knows how long. I just don't see a real concrete situation where the Packers are going to change that again. They already signed Christian Kirksey, again, not going to fix their entire linebacker position. But given the value that seems likely to be there at 30, I don't think this is a situation where they're going to pick one in the first round. If they trade back, if, say, Patrick Queen is there, along with Zach Bond, Maybe they slide back to 36, to 38, something like that, and see if one or both of them are still there, then make a decision. But it just doesn't feel like, given what we've seen from the Packers over the past decade, that inside linebacker is likely to be a pick, at least at 30. So if we look at those guidelines, big athletes, trade value, skill position players, what do the Packers end up doing? Well, say they stay put and they want to get some big athletes. Some guys I think might be in play. Austin Jackson, the USC offensive tackle. Michael Pittman, the big wide receiver out of USC. Justin Jefferson, another big athlete. And Brandon Ayuk, not so much big, but a, but an athlete there. Um, all come to mind right away. But another name I've sort of been coming ar- around on a little bit is A.J. Epinesa out of, out of Iowa. Not really an edge, not really a defensive lineman. And I'm not sure I love him in the first round, but I've seen a couple people whose opinions I trust start projecting him to the Packers there at 30, and I can see what they're thinking. And it tracks with what the Packers have done historically. Big guy, fairly good athlete, pretty productive in college, can line up at multiple spots. The downside is you're taking another front seven player after you just did that with Rashawn Gary last year. He's more defensive lineman than edge rusher, and Mike Pettin doesn't use a lot of multi-defensive lineman looks. A lot of what he does with his defensive lineman is two guys on the ground, two guys with their hands on the ground, and then three edge rushers, one of whom will sort of float around and try to find a spot to rush up the middle. I'm not sure Epinesa Projects into that role because he'd be playing probably alongside Kenny Clark in that situation. Maybe Zadarius Smith also has his hand on the ground or is that inside pass rusher. But there have been enough people, again, whose opinions I trust, projecting him to the Packers or at least somebody the Packers could be thinking about that I've started to think about that a little bit too. And I just wanted to mention his name here as somebody who sort of fits what the Packers have done historically. If we're looking just at their second preference of trade value, I think 2013 is a good example of what the Packers could do at wide receiver. So in 2013, the Packers' second round pick comes around and they need a running back. They need a running back fairly badly because just a couple of years earlier, they selected Alex Green. He did not work out as a rookie, then tore up his knee. Then they had Dewan Harris, who also kind of banged up his knee, uh, they tried Cedric Benson in 2012. He also got hurt. So they entered 2013 with uh, still recovering Alex Green around and not a whole lot else at running back. Dewan Harris still technically there, but still more on the backside of his career with the Packers, at least, than anything else. He actually went on to play quite a few years after his time in Green Bay. Good for him. Um, but they're sitting there. Their second-round pick is approaching, and Eddie Lacey is still on the board, Monte Ball is still on the board, and they ultimately slide back a couple slots in the draft. Monte Ball comes off, Eddie Lacy is still there. Uh, they pick him, and uh, and their position is set there for the next two or three years. I think that's a good example of how the Packers could try to fill out their wide receiver position this year. Because even if it seems like people have slowed down a little bit on the top-end wide receivers, it still seems like a solid class 15, 20 guys deep. You can find a lot of value. So if the Packers are sitting there either at 30 or at 64 or 62, whatever it is, um, and there's a lot of guys they still like on the board, I think there's a pretty good chance they could slide down. Especially at 30, if a lot of the top end offensive linemen are gone, if a guy like Epinesa is gone, you can't get a big guy that you like, but there's still a lot of value on the board at receiver, slide back a couple picks uh, let the board come to you and pick up some, some more ammunition for moving around the board a little bit later on. And then finally, if the Packers just go with a straight-up skill position player, I think uh, Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk are the top of my board there. I like what Jefferson can do in the slot. I like his size, and I like the explosiveness for Ayuk um, at Arizona State. And if you twisted my arm, he might be slightly ahead of Justin Jefferson as this process has gone on. So those are my thoughts. That's what I think the Packers are are going to be looking to do. Big athletes first and foremost, that leads you probably to the offensive line. Maybe a big time wide receiver. Maybe a guy like AJ Epines who can do a lot of different things for you. Maybe they trade back. I think that's the second most likely scenario. Or if they just want to stand pat, then I think it's probably a skill position player just looking at how the board seems likely to shake out. I want to know your thoughts. Um, Threw it out on Twitter earlier today. Asking people what they would be excited about and disappointed by in the draft got a pretty wide variety of responses. But kind of, kind of, kind of, two schools of thoughts emerged for me at least. Um, it seems like people are either really high on Denzel Mims and, and want him at thirty, or are completely opposed to Denzel Mims. Those are the two trends that really, really evolved. If you're asking for my opinion straight up on Mims, I think I'm probably going to give it a miss. Um, of the guys that could be available at thirty, I, I understand the appeal, but to me he does not produce consistently enough in college or did not produce consistently enough in college, did not separate enough from the, the level of comp uh competition he was facing. I I give that one a miss and i will probably trade back if he's the best receiver on the board at that point and, and see what other value I can get or go a completely different direction. Um I don't think he's gonna be the guy for me if uh if that's what the Packers are up against at 30. Open to being wrong in that one. He has a, a lot to offer athletically, and he like his size. Um, but that's kind of where I come down in the draft. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. we got a ways to go until draft day, though. Uh, it'll be at least 36 hours, almost 48 hours by the time this goes up, before the, the draft shakes out. And then we will be back Friday, hopefully, with a first-round recap. And then Monday, we'll do rounds, uh, well, do day two and three. And then next Wednesday, uh, already, uh, we'll try to get to the undrafted free agent roundup. Until then, keep sharing this stuff, keep talking, keep engaging with uh, with what you're looking for out there with, with Packers content. And if this podcast is it, uh, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with somebody because that's going to help keep that conversation going. And that's the way that we help everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Muerdink. We will see you after the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft.